Well, welcome back to Northridge for the second in our series. And uh, we are in this series called Margin. Margin, which is talking about creating intentional space in our lives in order for us to connect with God, in order for us to connect and serve other people a little bit more intentionally, a little bit more fully. And so in order to do that, we talked about the fact that we need margin. We need space in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our days, in our schedule, everything. We need margin in there. And so we talked a little bit about that. And last week we talked a little bit about how we live in an unprecedented age, an unprecedented culture. In all of human history, we are in an unprecedented time. Unprecedented. Uh, We showed a video and we talked about some of the statistics about that. But just wanted to remind you of one that we mentioned last week. Just if you're not quite convinced yet, um, uh, one of the stats that they shared last week and that we talked about was that a week's worth of the New York Times... The content contained in one week's worth of New York Times, if you took that, that would equate to an 18th century person's ability to connect with that amount of information in their entire lifetime. Their lifetime. So what that means is the amount of content that we are expected to consume, that is the expectation, isn't it? That we would consume that much information in a week is what a person in the 18th century would have consumed in a year, or I mean in their entire lifetime. The whole lifetime. Our pace of culture, our speed of life, everything that we have, we've sped it up and we filled it up and we just consistently move forward. We get faster and faster. It's not slowing down, is it? How many of you feel like we're definitely slowing down? Life's getting more manageable. I don't know about you, but I'm not there. (laughs) I'm not seeing it. Maybe you're in a different vein than I am, but I'm just not seeing it. We live in an unprecedented age. And so we're talking about this series for the next several weeks, Margin. How do we create space in our lives in order for God to work and in order for us to connect with other people in a more full way, to live full of life, which is our motto here at Northridge. Um, So today we're talking about the area of emotions. Uh, Guys, don't check out. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm t- totally kidding. Sort of kidding. Uh, but but in the emotional area of life has major ramifications for every other area of life. Okay. You know, when we, we say that phrase, oh, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. What are we talking about? We're talking about their emotional attitude, aren't we? And by the way, guys, yes, even though we don't like to deal with emotions all that much, we wake up on that side of the bed all the time. Yeah, right? I mean, some, uh, my wife knows as soon as I wake uh, wrong side of the bed, huh? Very good. Okay, just so we know where our emotions are at today. And we have those realities in our life, the emotional area of life. The emotional area of life has the impact on everything else. How we have our outlook for our day. Um, what conditions we have. In fact, doctors, medical doctors will tell you that your emotional state literally affects everything, your psychological, your physical, um, literally everything is affected by your emotional area of life. And so we have this intense area and they have a lot of stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on that emotional area of life and how do we gain margin in that area. Now, the speed of our culture, we were just talking about that. It has literally just gone right over and bowled us right over, hasn't it? 
I mean, the pace of life and what we are expected to consume. Another statistic they talked about was if you're in your first year of college in a technical school, and by the third year of college, half of what you learned is now out of date. That's how fast we're moving. I mean, if you can't go through four years of college, and then you, half of what you learned is now obsolete. I mean, that's crazy fast. Okay? And so that's the speed of our culture. Now, the emotional area of life, what this has done, here's what this has done. And we don't even think about this. In fact, I haven't thought about this maybe all that much, even uh, until recent years. But what we have done is because of the progress we have made in advances in technology, I mean, I can have my phone, I can connect, you guys post something, I'll probably get a buzz right now, right on my phone. Oh, there it is, update. (laughs) Okay, I can check. Oh, yeah, you raked leaves yesterday. That's great. Awesome. (laughs) Right? I, I, I fought the urge to post that one for our own family yesterday. Although there are really cute videos out there on my phone. All right? But we have those things. We're constantly connected and we're constantly moving. We find out about everybody's life right now. Whoa, that's where they're at right now. Awesome. So excited about that. But the speed of our culture, what we have done is we have progressed so much. We've gotten better at so many things. Here's the expectation. We expect that our emotional state is going to be solved. All those problems are going to be solved right now because we've progressed so far, don't we? We believe that. We, should, we believe that our expectations is our emotional state should be much better now because we've progressed. But here's the deal. It's actually the other way around. It's actually gone backwards because we have really cut emotions out of it as much as we can. We are increasingly connected but emotionally disconnected. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of true? Okay? I am more connected to as many people as I can possibly be, but I'm less connected to people emotionally. This is, I think, by the way, why we have so much bullying going on. I think that's why it's bullying is at its epic proportions. I think we have connected with people through media, and we're no longer connecting with them as actual people. I think the bullying is just rampant because of that. And I think it's because there's no emotional margin in our lives right now. And so this is, this is some interesting statistics. If you take the career, the profession of psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, professional counselors, if you look at that, they say that it has grown astronomically. And that is true. But it also, if you look at most studies and articles and magazines, if you look at these, they say that that area of the career, that career area, we should say, that profession, they say that that is forecast to grow 30% over the next several years. 30%. Okay, what this equates to is just in this area, this profession alone, those professional psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, all that kind of stuff, just in that area alone, that means 50,000 new positions just in the next few years. 50,000. Okay, let me give you the average. You know what the average is for most professions growth-wise? 10%. 10%. That means this is growing three times the average of most professions. Why do we think that is? Let me just tell you, it wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't a market for it. Yeah? It would not be growing like that if there was no market for it. Okay? Also maybe tells you where you should send your kids to college for. Just a little side note. That's for free. Okay? Okay? This is the deal, though, that this is growing exponentially, and it's because we have increasingly less margin emotionally. Our emotional health, less margin, less and less and less. We keep cutting it out. 
So the question becomes, if that is true, and I think statistic-wise, and <laughs> we just, let's start talking about life a little bit, I think we'll find immediately, okay, you're right. <laughs> Not a lot of emotional margin, right? We talk about our day, talk about our week. If this is true, then the question becomes, how do we create space, emotionally speaking? How do we create space in our lives for us to be able to connect with God and connect with others in a more genuine, real way? How do we do that? And I think that's a great question. I'm glad that you guys are asking these questions. Uh, it's fantastic so we can get into this. Okay? Well, I think that there's a verse that kind of talks about this. We're going to pull it up in just a minute. But 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It's actually known as the love chapter. Okay? Um, and so you hear this a lot at weddings. I use this chapter a lot at weddings when I, when I officiate weddings. Um, but it's a great chapter, but it talks about really emotional margin and what true love is. By the way, if you're talking to your children or if you want to give a good definition of what true love is, not fake love like our culture gives, look at 1 Corinthians 13. It will give you an awesome standard to shoot for. For a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, doesn't matter. Wow. Talk about a high standard, but it's a good standard. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. At the very end of that chapter, though, there's one verse, and I want to just focus on this one verse, and it talks about three things that I believe can give us emotional margin if we would invest in these three things. And, and it doesn't talk about emotional margin in the Bible like this, but it's really talking about emotional margin. Okay, let's read it, and then you guys can see what I'm talking about. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, a few months ago, I mentioned that there were going to be three things that last forever. Remember, I mentioned God is going to last forever. The Bible, his word. This is actually the Bible declares this will last forever. It will never go away. And then us, you and I, people, we're eternal beings. We don't, we will last forever. Okay, three things, but inherent within God and his word are these three things, faith, hope, and love. So therefore, these three things will also last forever because they're inherent within God and his word. So faith, hope, and love. Why is this important? Because these three things, if you start thinking about it, faith, hope, and love, aren't these three things perhaps the biggest things that affect our emotional state of being? Isn't that true? Where I place my faith determines a lot of things of how I operate. Isn't that true? How much hope I have going into the day will probably determine kind of how I operate in that day. Isn't that true? Okay. Love. How much love I am receiving from people around me, my family, or lack of. How much love I'm giving away to others. These have major ramifications for our emotional state, our emotional reality, and therefore how we view life. And so this margin is talking about that. Now, if you're not sure about this, uh, just think about it this way. Uh, my son Jackson, he's seven, all right, and pure crazy, and just, just in all kinds of awesome ways, all right? If you would have seen him yesterday again with the leaves, I'm serious, unbelievable. Um, it is the best thing ever. Uh, but my son Jackson, uh, just a few months ago, I asked him to start working on a task. It was a life skill that he needed to know, right? And, and so we were starting to learn this life skill. Well, he had never really practiced it. He really didn't know how to do it. And, and so therefore, he didn't want to do it. 
I, I'm sure you guys have never run into that with your children, by the way. They've, they've always wanted to do whatever you said. Um, but I just asked him, okay, we need to start working on this, Jackson. And so it was, well, as you might expect, he didn't really want to do it. He's like, nah, I kind of like mom and dad doing that. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I said, well, we're not going to do that forever. <laughs> right? And so, so we kind of started working through this. Well, when, he fi- when I finally convinced him to start working on this life skill, uh, as you would imagine, he didn't exactly put what I would say 100% into it. He just kind of like... Dad, you know, and, and he's doing this life skill and he just really didn't throw himself into it. There wasn't a lot of gusto when he tried it. I was like, you know, you've got, you've got to really try. You're not going to get good at this unless you do this. And so we went through that. But, and eventually, by the way, now he's mastered it and he's good. He can do it all on his own. He's, he's fantastic. But then let's look at the flip side of that. Jackson loves soccer. I don't know why. I coach soccer at the high school, just for those of you. So it's just it's one of those things. But he loves soccer. He loves it. Uh, and really, I haven't pushed it. He just, it's just one of those things he loves. And he loves to do it. And when he gets out to the field, he runs out with his fellow players, and he is just running all over, and they're going crazy, and the energy's just flowing, and the smiles are huge, and they're laughing, and he looks forward to it. He secretly, I don't know if you'd admit this out loud, but he secretly kind of likes when a couple of the kids don't show up so that there's no subs. And he can like play the whole game with his other friends that are, you know, happen to be there that day. And he just, he just loves that because he just wants to be out there the whole time. He tugs on his coach. You can see it and says, is it time yet? Is it time yet? I mean, he does. Like, no, a couple more minutes and then you can sub you in, you know. And he just, he loves it. But here's the difference. Isn't the difference between those two things, isn't the difference the faith, hope, and love that is there with those two things? that changes his emotional state toward those things. Okay? Because with the life skill, he didn't have a lot of faith that he could do it, a lot of hope that he was going to figure it out, and he certainly had no love for it. With soccer, it was the opposite. He had a lot of love for it. There's a little bit of faith that, yeah, I think I can do this, and this is going to be all right. And there was tons of hope that it was going to be fun and successful for him, that, he's going to, that we're going to have a blast. And you know what? The soccer game didn't always turn out to be fun or successful for him or his team. But it didn't necessarily affect his emotions going into it. Does that make sense? Faith, hope, and love, I think, is the same way for all of us. I truly believe that faith, hope, and love can completely and dramatically affect how we tackle our day. If you have a lot of hope going into your day, I don't know about you, but you know those days, right, when you wake up, and, and you just, you're excited about the day because you're going to get to see a certain person or because there's something going on or the Packers are playing. Sorry, it's a bye week. Okay, right? Or whatever the case is, whatever just fills you up. And you go into that day, you're excited. You get up. You probably get up earlier. You probably put a little more effort into your clothes and all this kind of stuff because you're, there's hope there. And you have faith believing that, hey, this is going to be a good day. And, and the love, because you're looking forward to kind of interacting with whoever that is or that situation or that place. But then there's those other days where it's like, I don't want to get out of bed. I understand that. All right. Believe it or not, I am a pastor. And this is maybe not good to say, but there are plenty of Sunday mornings that I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> I'll be honest. Hey, and I'm just, oh boy, here we go. And it's not that I don't look forward to it. I just, in the moment, I'm like, 
oh, I'm just, I feel tired today. Okay, but we got to go. Right? It's not that I don't have hope, but there are a lot of days that we have that. Our faith, our hope, our love, how that goes will affect our emotional state and how we tackle our day. So what I want to talk about a little bit today is how do we find margin in order to invest in the things that tend to fill us up? Because let me, let me ask you this. Are there things in your life or that you hope are in your life that fill you up? That build your tank? That fill up that emotional tank? And aren't there also other things in your life that drain that tank? Some of you are working through those things right now, aren't you? Those things that fill your tank and those things that drain your tank. We all have them. We can admit it. We all have those things. And they're going to be different. Because you have, you have one person, for example, that goes into their day and, and they have hope and they do this and their emotional tank may be filled, but the person right next to them, they may have started their day with an empty tank. That's going to affect how they interact, isn't it? It's going to affect maybe how, uh, who dominates the conversation or what dominates the conversation. It affects everything. So today, let's talk about a couple of things. There's, a, there's Dr. Swenson. I mentioned this before, but Dr. Swenson, he wrote a book called Margin. He's a medical doctor, worked for the University of Wisconsin, actually. So we know, hey, that's got to be good stuff, right? He was here in Madison. Um, but Dr. Swenson wrote this margin book. And in one of the chapters, he talks about emotional margin. He talks about seven things or what he calls actually prescriptions because he's a doctor. He says seven things that you can do, that we can all can do, to present or create margin in our lives. So I want to talk about that because they're very, very practical. So let's go through these real quick. First prescription, and let me tell you, if you do, I, I don't think we do these things very well, and I think this is why he writes the prescription. You know, prescription is something different that will help change a reality for us. Okay, rest. Rest is not something that we get very often, is it? And by the way, I think in our culture, we need to redefine rest. Because I, I do a lot of resting on what I, what, what I call my couch. Watching that big thing that's in front of me, you know. And it's playing constant things at me, you know. And I'm usually searching through trying to find something that I don't want to watch anyway. Right? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, we've all been there, right? Man, come on. Nothing. Are they playing that movie again? You know, seen like, like 12 times. And we go through this and that could be restful, but I think it steals our rest because we're constantly just searching for something to fill us and it really doesn't fill us. It's just blah. It's just there. We just fill our, our lives with noise, with, with activity and TV kind of fills that. Well, we're talking about rest, real rest where maybe we actually just sleep. We don't turn the TV on and fall asleep, <laughs> right? I do that a lot, by the way. Laura will tell you, okay, football or maybe late at night, you know, like, uh, and then pff, I'm out on the couch. And I go, oh, man, I got to go to bed. No, I'm saying rest where you're, you're intentionally, you lay down and you're, I'm resting. Or you get into the word of God where you just spend some time reading this. How often have I turned this down? I know myself. How often have I turned this down in favor of something on TV? I've sat down. I said, man, I should get into the Word for a little bit. And nope, TV on. And then I get lost into channel surfing for two hours. 
How often could we get into that rest where we literally rest? How many of us in here, how many of you would just like true rest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see it on our faces. I know when we even say that word, isn't that word just one of those where you just go, oh, that is such a fleeting word. I would love to have rest. It's just so precious little in our culture today. Okay, so that's prescription number one. Second one, laugh and cry. This is, this is a great one for a lot of people and also very difficult. Um, but laugh and cry. Laughing is really good for our emotional well-being. It's really good for our soul. You know when you've been with somebody, you, you know those people in your life who just, they, for whatever reason, they may not make anybody else laugh. <laughs> Everybody else is going, and you're just, so, you know, you lose it and they just, they're, they're funny to you. You know, those people in your life that you just, you look forward to being with them because you, they just make you laugh. How do you feel after you laugh? How do you feel after you laugh a lot? Don't you feel better? Don't you feel good? Maybe your voice is a little hoarse. <laughs> All right. I mean, I do. We laugh because, and why do we feel good? Because laughing is good. God created that in us. It's good to laugh. But it also is good to cry. Okay? Now, you can take these to the wrong degree. Humor can be bad. <laughs> right? Uh, crying can be bad. Can be unhealthy. But for the most part, laughing and crying are very good things. What are they? They're simply releases of emotion that are in us. In all honesty, I am not as good at this as probably I should be. Uh, I usually smile a lot and I'll laugh a lot, but the whole crying thing, it's not that I try to hold it back. I just, I just don't think I'm as comfortable with it as I probably should be. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm just not. I tend to hold back sometimes just because I, I just, I don't want to be seen crying. That's the truth. And, and I hold it back, but here's the deal. If you bottle up laughter and you bottle up crying, if you bottle up your emotions, you know what that leads to later? Explosion. <laughs> Eventually, eventually, that's what happens. We can't bottle it up. Laugh and cry can create some emotional margin. Boundaries, third one. This is a difficult one. All right, boundaries. This is literally setting boundaries with people, with our time, with... This is really what we're talking about with margin, setting boundaries, setting limits on ourselves. Now, let's be honest. All of us are going to have different boundaries, okay? If I were setting the boundaries, Laura knows we would be out with people every minute of every day. Every minute of every day. I mean, we'd be out with people all the time. If I were setting the boundaries for people, right? I would just, I would do that. But then there are other people who, they, they'd rather really, uh, do I have to talk to anybody today? Do I really need to see anybody today? And that's okay too. There are different perspectives, but here's the deal. Both people need boundaries. Because it's not realistic that you're going to get to talk to everyone you see in a day. And it certainly is not realistic that you don't need to talk to anybody throughout your day either. And so there's some boundaries in there. There's some margin there that needs to be created. Here's the deal. Some of us have people in our lives that drain our emotional battery all the time. And they empty us out. Maybe they're negative. Maybe they cut us down. Maybe, they, maybe they're just exhausting for us. Maybe you come away just going, <gasps> Okay. Here's what we need to do. 
We need to set boundaries so that we limit that factor and that investment into our life. And we need to start creating margin so that we have people around us that fill our emotional tank. Does that make sense? Now, here's the deal. We feel bad about that. We feel like we're, you know, cutting somebody off or that we're judging them or something like that. Listen, if somebody is draining your emotional battery, you and them and everybody else around you will pay for it. Isn't that true? If we are running on empty, then we will pay for that. Boundaries are important. We have to set boundaries. I don't know about you. I have a hard time saying no. I do. I really do. Uh, Laura knows that. I have a hard time saying no. I love to say yes because I love being with people and I love uh, helping. I love serving. It's just part of me. It's just how I am. And so I have a hard time saying no. Therefore, I overextend myself fairly often. Because I just, I have a hard time saying no. And as a dynamic, some of us, maybe our boundary needs to be that we say yes more. Potentially. Maybe the boundary is that we need to cut off our no a little bit more often. And we need to say yes a little bit more often. Either way, it's going to go both directions. But we need to set boundaries to create margin. All right. Speaking of boundaries, the next one is people. Again, Some people in your lives, if you think about it, some people in your lives fill your battery up. They charge your emotional state. Some people in your life, they drain it. They they come in with a needle and they pop the bottom of that tank and it leaks out. And you're like, ah, I felt good beforehand and now I don't. Right? And it's a little sieve just there's leaking out. And we don't notice it because it's emotions. It's not that obvious. But the truth is we have people that drain us and we have people that really fill us up emotionally. God has created us differently and that's okay. The key is for us to find who those people are and to create space in our lives for them. Laura and I have done this. We've had to do this. We've had to do this with with all kinds of things. But we've had to create space in our lives for our emotional tanks to be filled up. You know what? If Laura and I served and gave of ourselves out of an empty tank all the time, you would get just nastiness from us. <laughs> Most of you don't see my tank, you know, like empty because on Sunday morning I'm usually charged up. That's that's the truth. Okay? You see me usually full, but if you would find me, you know, in certain those moments in the middle of the week or in the at the end of the day in the evening and some of you may be the same way. After, you know, I've had maybe a hard day, my emotional battery is just it's empty. I'm not I, I just don't I just don't do well. And I react wrong. And, you know, something might happen and you know, Hannah spills milk and I just ah, What are you doing? You've got to be more careful. I don't know if I've ever cried over spilled milk, but I've definitely gotten frustrated over spilled milk. All right? And it's usually because, here's the deal, it usually has very little to do with the milk. Hear me on that? It usually has very little to do that I had to clean up a little bit of milk because it usually takes about 60 seconds. It has everything to do with I had a hard day and my emotional tank is empty. It's spent. And so what I need to do to be fair to God, to be fair to my family, to be fair to you guys, even, is to make sure that my emotional tank is full, or at least not empty, on a regular basis. People can do that to us. All right, next one, serve. 
This is a big, big, big one. There's been study after study after study on people who volunteer and give their time. They sacrifice their time regularly. It has been very obvious. In fact, Dr. Swinson talks about this. But if you serve, people who serve regularly, they are happier, healthier, and they even found links. They haven't proven all this stuff. Okay, So don't say, hey, by the way, this is true. Well, they've just found links with this. But they also have found that perhaps people live longer if they serve. Okay? Again, they haven't proven it. They just There's links that looks like maybe that is true. Okay? Serving is like laughter and rest to the soul. Did you know that? Okay, why? Have you ever talked to somebody who's come back from a short-term missions trip? Okay? Have you ever talked to somebody who's come back from a short-term mission trip? More often than not, the vast majority of the time, and I've talked to a lot of those people, they come back and they are emotionally charged up. I mean, they are ready to take on the world, so to speak. Literally, they're ready to go. Now, they're physically exhausted, but they are ready emotionally to just take on life. Why? Because they've completely poured themselves out to somebody, which in turn seems counterproductive, but you know what happens? Their emotional tank fills up. Far more often when I have served somebody else, you know what happens? I get full. I think more than the person that I served. I think almost every time. I know that's true because I know what it does in my spirit, in my very soul, when I serve, when I give of myself. And many of you have experienced that. Serving is creating emotional margin, emotional space in your emotional tank. It's absolutely necessary. Show me people who don't serve, and I will show you somebody who's grumpy and fed up and flies off the handle in a second. It's true. Nine times out of ten or whatever. I mean, most of the time, that's, that's how I see it. That's how I've been experiencing this. Six. This is a hard one. Some of us, our tanks are depleted constantly because of relationships that we've allowed to be nasty for a long time. This is a very difficult one. Reconciling relationships. The Bible talks, did you know the Bible talks in, in just constantly through every book just about, talks about reconciling relationships. God created us to be in right relationship with him and right relationship with other people. You know what happens when we're not? It's spiritual and emotional poison. And the, the danger of it is we don't know we're poisoned. That's the danger. Nine times out of ten, we don't, we don't see that. It's, it's something that we don't realize. Now, we know that the relationship is bad, but we don't realize how much it affects us emotionally. Unreconciled relationships are just detrimental to our soul. They, they literally they, they will create us anger, bitterness, frustration, and it has nothing to do with maybe even who is in front of us, but because of something else that somebody did or something else that we did to them, a, a, a relationship that's not been reconciled for a long time. And it's eating us apart. Sometimes we realize it, sometimes we don't. Jesus actually talks about how important this whole reconcilia- reconciliation thing is. He says in Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, at the temple... And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. In other words, you have a bad relationship. 
Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, before you come and worship me and reconcile yourself to me, it's really important that you reconcile yourself with other people. That's a pretty lofty standard. If God is saying, before you give praise and worship to me, reconcile with somebody else. And by the way, if you're actually at the altar, if you're actually at Northridge, and you're walking into the village center, and you realize, wow, I hammered that person yesterday. Oh, man, and you're, it's broiling in you. What God says, if you take this literally, is, nope, make the call first. Get on your phone, call them up. I'm sorry, that was wrong. This is not good. We need to sit down and talk. And then you can worship me. Then go to the altar and make your sacrifice. This is why, because God knows unreconciliation in our heart, in our life with other people, no matter who it is, will just eat away at our soul. It'll slowly just poison us. Anger and bitterness will take over. God knows that. So this is the stand that he sets. Okay. Last one. This is definitely practical, but a hard one to do as well on a daily basis anyway. The last one is thankfulness. This is a good one going into November, right? We have Thanksgiving coming up in just a few weeks. Thankfulness. The question here, we could just put it this way. Um, how many things, let's say I gave you a piece of paper. Okay, just a blank piece of paper. And, uh, and I put it down in front of you and I said, okay, I want you to write down all the things that you're genuinely, truly thankful for. I want you to just start writing. Not a bad task to do, by the way. I've done it. I've had pastors. I've had teachers. I've had people like, tell me to do this in class or later on in the day. Man, it's a good activity to do. Think about doing that. Again, it's bye week. For the Packers. You have time. Lots of margin. What are you going to do? Right? I mean, I'm going to be cheering for the Broncos, by the way, this afternoon. They play the Patriots. But the rest of you, you have margin. You have time. You can make a list of thankfulness. I mean, this is a great thing to do. Think about if you could get down in front of your eyes. And I don't say think about it. I mean write them down so that you can see it. Write down everything that you're thankful for. And here's what I truly believe. And the Bible kind of talks about this in various ways in the verses in here. The longer that list of your thankfulness, the more emotional margin you will have. Why is that? Because thankfulness produces more of that faith, more of that hope, more of that love. Isn't that, you, you don't, you're not sure how thankful you are until you actually start writing those down. I mean, I know when I start making that list... I don't realize all the things that I'm thankful for. I start thinking about it. I'm going, wow, I truly am thankful for that. I never think about it. I've never thought about it, maybe. You start writing those things down. Amazing things. Thankfulness can create margin in your life, emotional margin for you to do that. Remember that verse from the beginning? Let's go back to it. In 1 Corinthians 13, three things will last forever faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love here's the deal 
I think the vast majority of our problems that we have in our society that I talk with and counsel with with people has to do with this area of life. I truly believe that our emotional margin is gone. It's, it's destroyed. We have none. And if we would just simply take, maybe, maybe it's some of those seven things that we talked about, maybe it's something different. Those seven things are not catch-all. <laughs> There's a lot more out there. Those are just seven ideas, prescriptions. But what would it look like if we began to truly invest in our faith, truly invest in hope, and truly invest in genuine love for God, for other people, for all those around us, not only accepting it, but also giving it away. I truly believe we could solve some major problems. I think that we'd solve that, you know, that bullying thing that we talked about. Can you imagine somebody who's full of faith, hope, and love? Can you imagine them bullying somebody else and just treating them rotten, horrible? I can't see that. Because their emotional margin would be charged. They'd have emotional tanks filled up. Because isn't it true that, for example, when somebody treats somebody else poorly, bullying, whatever, isn't it true that they're really just making up for a lack of something that they don't have? Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it comes down to? They're making fun of somebody else because they don't feel good themselves. Most of the time, that's true. What the margin is that we have, this faith, hope, and love, we need more of that. But in order to gain that, I don't know about you, but we need time and space to invest in it. We're just too busy to invest in things like faith, hope, and love. When was the last time your boss told you and said, hey, I need you to spend a little bit more time working on your faith, hope, and love. You ever heard that? No, of course not. Because our culture doesn't really value that. We do, but not enough to make time for it. To make space for it. And so the question that we need to answer today is very simple. Similar one that we've been asking for this series. How can you start creating emotional margin in your life this week. At the very minimum, at the minimum, answering that question means you have to make a change. Because my guess is that even, even me, I'm, I've, been, I've been wrestling with this all week, pre, you know, preparing the message, and yet I still don't have nearly enough margin in my life in this area. I can tell you that. I'll just I'll be honest about that. That's the truth. For me, I, I'm working on it. I think we do okay. Laura and I have set some boundaries. We've done certain things, and even in our marriage, all that kind of stuff, to create emotional margin for God, for sure. But we, we could do much better. We just we end up at the end of our emotional tanks too often. And let's be honest, some of us have been running on our emotional tanks. They've been running on empty for a while, haven't they? Some of us, we've been running on empty for a long time. And we feel that. We know that. We just didn't know maybe what, we, what to call it. And so for most of us, the minimum of answering that question is making a change. Maybe it's a slight change, a little change. Maybe it's a huge change. But it's probably going to require a change in your routine, in your daily schedule, something. What does that look like for you? Wrestle that out with God and figure out what that change is and then make that change starting this week. All right?
Worship band's going to come up, and we're going to pray. God, thank you for creating emotions because, God, although sometimes we can look at the bad side of emotions, emotions are very good. We think about those times when, uh, even we joked about it a couple times, but when the Packers score, it's elation. We have joy there. When we see, when I saw my son walking for the first time this week, God, there was incredible joy that just filled into my soul because of that. And it's little. He's just taking steps. But God, the emotions that you gave to us are incredible. But God, we, we have really stripped time away from our emotional connection with you and with others. And God, we need to get that back. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us answer those questions really faithfully and honestly. God, what do we need to do? Show us what we need to do, I pray, Lord, to create that margin in our life so that we can better connect with you and better connect with other people. Lord, help us to be honest with you and and honest with ourselves. And may we have incredible emotional margin as a result. I pray this in your name, the matchless name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship him.